We want to welcome you to the Bible teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church, where our desire is to honor God by faithful obedience to His Word. If you want to understand the Bible better, please continue to listen as Pastor Matt Postiff explains and applies the biblical text one verse at a time. You can reach us with questions or for more teaching audio and print material at our website, fbcaa.org. You can also watch our services live at fbcaa.org slash live. We want to thank you for listening and pray that you will be edified. Join us now as Pastor Postiff opens God's Word. Well, good evening. To those who are joining us online just now or perhaps a few weeks or months down the road, we welcome you and uh, invite you this evening to turn in your copy of God's Word to Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, and uh, we'll be looking at just a few verses this evening, and uh, I hope you're encouraged um, by the things that the Lord has for us this evening there in Colossians chapter 3. And uh, we'll begin our time by reading a portion of that passage and then narrowing our focus specifically on um, on the, the portion that kind of runs the passage or chapter portion from verse 5 through verse 11, and then even hone in more specifically on, on verses 9 and 10. But uh, in order for us to understand the context around those verses, um, let's read this evening or listen to, to me as I read from Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1 through verse 11. Paul, writing to the Colossians, the believers there, Colossae says in verse 1 of chapter 3, If then you were raised with Christ, which uh, he believes to be true, speaking to these believers, if it applies to them, they truly are born again, but assuming they are, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not things on the earth, For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarians, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is is all and in all. Now, our focus this evening, as I said, will be primarily on verses 9 and 10, but we can see if we back up to verse Five, that Paul has an imperative for the Colossians, and it applies to us today. 
and that is to put to death your members which are on the earth, or some translations, uh, I think it's the ESV, says uh, your members which are of the flesh. The idea is here is that uh, we are not talking about um, you know, physical harm to our, our bodily members, that is our, our hands or, our, uh, or um, our face. You remember the passage, I'm sure, uh, where it speaks of if, if your hand causes you to sin, you are to what? Cut it off. We're not talking about mutilation there. We're talking about cutting off that is the source of that sin, the thing which is causing you to stumble and to fall into temptation and sin. And that's the same idea being portrayed here. Uh, Paul is speaking of the things that are the sources within our body, uh, in, our, in us as a, as, a, as a human being that is causing us to, to sin. So we are to put those things to death. It is an imperative. It's not an option for the believer. He is to be about the business of sanctification. Now, of course, that is not a, a, uh, it is not a mission. It is not possible in and of ourselves. We rely on the Holy Spirit to help us in this endeavor, but it is nonetheless something that we participate in, in our sanctification. And a part of that is putting the things to death which are sin, sinful matters or sinful things, tendencies in our lives. And Paul gives us here a list of things which are of the flesh. The things that remain in us, of course, after we're born again that uh, are still sin in our lives or sinful tendencies. Now, before we read those that list, you'll also note that in verse 8, we have a comparable list. Uh, these are not meant to be two separate lists, some being worse than the others, as if they're being opposed you know, to one another. They are just simply two different lists that are documenting, or that Paul is giving examples from, that are sins that are to be put to death. You see in verse 8, Paul doesn't necessarily say put to death the members of your body, but he says, but now you, are, you yourselves are to put off all these things. I, I do not think um, that when Paul uses kind of two different terminologies there that he's referring to two absolutely contradicting ideas. They're one and the same. They're a synonymous idea. You are to put to death this member of your body, or in other words, Paul's saying, you are to put it off. It's the same idea. We're to rid ourselves from these sins. We're to no longer to, no longer to be practicing them or living uh, in the flesh. Those things which uh, the Colossians were dealing with and that we ourselves have dealt with at one time or another or patterns perhaps in our own lives today that we are dealing with that are, we are to put to death may include one of the following. Paul writes a number of things here in verse 5. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, that is an evil passion, a lustful kind of passion, evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. He also gives us more in verse 8. Where you, we're putting these two verses together because they're the same idea that is being portrayed here. And so we're covering them at the same time. But in verse 8, Paul says, put off these things, 
anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Perhaps just take a moment to soak in the things mentioned in this list, these two lists, verse 5 and 8, and, and search our own hearts this evening. Joyce uh, asked a question there, and thank you for that. Yeah, so Joyce's question is, why, why, two, why two different lists if they are portraying the same idea? And uh, I'll answer it this way. I think he has kind of a, uh, a uh, what's the word? Um, the way in which he is, he is forming an argument here in verses 9 through, through verse 11, or excuse me, 8 through 11, is he's going to use this language of putting off and putting on. And so in building this argument, then, uh, Paul starts by saying, giving a list of things we are to put off, and he gives this list. Well, then if you look down in verse, um, verse 10, or ver- excuse me, verse 9, he says, Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. So um, I believe he's kind of weighted, or we could say this, he's added more to this list because he wants to take this idea of putting off and putting it on and see how it correlates together in regards to our sanctification. Um, could he have just put the two lists together and used the one language of putting off? Of course, he could have. Um, And and honestly, Joyce, I don't have a a defining answer of of why he chose to to separate it, but I do know that that putting off language is important to the argument that he is about to to use or to to write about in verses 9 through 11. Now, uh, look back with me at uh, verse 6 and 7. He says, because... This is the reason for which they are to, to put to death the sin in them is because of this. Because, these things, the, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. That ought to cause anyone, both the unbeliever and the believer alike, to stop and think, do I want God's wrath against me? No, of course I do not. True enough, we know that the believer will be saved from final judgment, but nonetheless, there are consequences for sin in our life, and we want to uh, we want to first please God, but we also want to be spared from any kind of of God's judgment or purifying uh, work if it's not necessary. Put to death the things that are causing us to sin. Verse 7, it says an important thing here. It says, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. In them is referring to those sinful tendencies, those passions, those practices uh, that are of the flesh. Paul is pointing out that that is the way in which you once lived, but the assumption is that that is no longer now how you are living your life. It is those things demarcate how you were without Christ before you came to him. Now, as a born-again believer, 
we do not identify with those things. We do not practice them because we are no longer like we were beforehand. We are seeking to live righteously. But nonetheless, Paul recognizes in himself and both the Colossians and we ought to as well that despite, um, despite the righteousness of Christ in us, we still have sin that we are fighting. We have the flesh which we are dealing with increasingly hoping or praying that it is less and less in us in the sense of it manifesting itself in sin, but nonetheless, we still must fight to put off these things. Paul then, as we looked at in verse 8, gives another command, the similar idea of putting off these things to rid ourselves of them. He also gives another imperative, a command in verse 9, which is this, he says, do not lie to one another. Do not lie to one another. Perhaps there is a certain reason which Paul calls out this specific sin. But again, I would, I would make this argument that uh, it is not any more of a prominent or, or uh, a more of a, a pedestaled sin than the rest of them. Sin is sin, however you slice it, whether it be a lie or the anger in your heart that never comes out like a lie may, but it is still sin. Lying, of course, we do know, can create division. It fractions and destroys relationships. It causes uh, animosity towards one another if found out, and it's, uh, it can wreak havoc. And as the body of Christ, we are to be unified. We are to be one. And so Paul is calling the Colossians to, to act in a unified manner, to be one uh, with Christ and to be unified as the body of Christ. Lying would not help in that cause. It would only create more divisions within the church and more trouble. So Paul gives them this command. And he gives then two reasons why they are to no longer lie to one another, or I would add, practice any of these other sins. Two reasons that Paul gives us this evening, and that's uh, where we'll finish this evening is by is by uh, looking at these two reasons that Paul gives us here in verses 9 and 10. The first is this, because, or your translation may say since, it's the same idea, it's a reason, or a a kind of a a causal participle, he's giving the reason for why they ought not to lie to one another, and it is this, number one, because they have put off the old man with his deeds. This is not a command to put off the old man. It is a statement of fact. You are to not lie because you have, past tense, put off the old man with his deeds. Now, we could go to Romans 6 this evening. Um, We won't, but you may, if you're familiar enough with that passage, uh, remember that Paul gives a similar kind of instruction or, or portrays a similar idea that, that the old man has been what? Crucified. The idea of crucifixion in itself means what? It is dead. It is dead. If you've ever done any uh, research about Roman crucifixions, of course, we can think of our, of our Lord and Savior who died, uh, suffered that kind of death. Crucifixion is, is a 
a, a fatal kind of uh, judgment. There it is. Uh, the severity of it uh, is only going to result in death. And so Paul is making this argument that you have been crucified. The old man, that is, has been crucified. Romans 6 teaches us that. And here also the same idea is true uh, based on what we know from Romans 6 as well, that the old man has been put off. It has been crucified. You can just replace that there if you want. It's been put to death. Think of verse 5, which we just read, where he says, put to death these things. It's the same idea, except that it's not a command in this instance. It's a statement of fact that the old man has been put to death. And that is then why it is a reason that we should no longer continue in sin. Because we are not the old man anymore. We are not in Adam, as all men are born into when they enter this life, in sin. We are not in Adam anymore. Those who have been born again have been placed into a new relationship, if you want to think about it in that way. There was the old relationship, which we had with Adam, that is the first Adam. And there is a new relationship for any born-again believer that we have been brought into, and that is with the second Adam in Christ. On that reason alone, uh, Paul is teaching the Colossians that we are no longer to behave as if we were in a relationship with the old man. We are not. That has been crucified. It's, it's not even possible to put on the old man again. If it's been put to death, you can't resurrect that which has been put to death, except, of course, if you're God and you choose to raise someone from the dead. Exactly. But it is not humanly possible for us to raise up that which has been crucified and restore a relationship which we have been separated from. There is no going back for the believer. And on that basis alone, we ought to be encouraged that we are in a new relationship. The old man is gone. It's, it's, it's bondage that it had over us is no longer existent. We no longer live in Adam we are no longer in bondage to the sinful deeds associated with that relationship of being an Adam. We are freed from that. And that gives us the hope then that when we are struggling with sin, that we are not enslaved like we once were. We have the ability through Christ's strength and the spirit in us to overcome and to live for Christ. So Paul gives us the first reason. We are to not sin or continue practicing sin because we are not which we once were. We are not an Adam. Therefore, we should not live as if we were in such a relationship with the old man. Secondly, he gives us a second reason. Not only have we put off the old man, but also another past event has happened that has ongoing effects, and that is seen in verse 10. It says, and have put on the new man. That past event happened at the time of salvation, at the moment in which the Lord called us to himself and saved us, giving us a new heart. He both saved us from that relationship to Adam and brought us out of that 
and simultaneous to that he put us into a relationship with Christ. That is why Paul can confidently write write here in Colossians 3.10 that we have, past tense, put on the new man. Amen. And that is the hope that we have as believers that we can overcome the sin that so easily besets us because we have been put into a relationship with Christ. Let's, I said we weren't going to go to Romans 6, but um, we will. Let's go there just for a moment so we can understand a little bit more about that old relationship with the old man and what we are now in Christ as we have put on the new man. Romans chapter 6. I'll give you a moment to turn there. Romans 6 1 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? No. Certainly not, Paul writes. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many as of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? You see the putting off and the putting on idea there? We have been baptized. We've been brought into this relationship with Christ. And at the same time, we were baptized into his death, meaning the old self has been crucified, the old man has been done away with. Verse 4, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, so that, we could say, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And that is not just a future experience that Paul is speaking of, eternal life, life with God forever in both the millennial kingdom and the eternal state to come, but also in this life. We, as born-again believers, are walking in newness of life because what Christ has done, uh, what God has done using his Son on our, to die on our behalf Verse 5 then says, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, verse 6, that our old man was crucified with him. Why? Paul tells us that the body of sin, that is the members of sin and uh, the members of the flesh in our, in our cells, might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Why? Because for, for verse says, excuse me, verse seven says, "For he who has died has been freed from sin. Anyone who has been baptized into Christ has also partook in his death in the sense that they have then been freed from sin. Verse eight says, "Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more." Death no longer has dominion over him. Verse 10, for the death he, that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also, there's a command, 
Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now the idea here, and I won't spend long on it, it wasn't my, um, my thoughts this evening, but just that when it says reckon our, yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, it's not as if Paul is commanding the Romans, in this instance, those believers in Rome, to think it to be true, as if they have to muster up the, the mental capacity to say, okay, if I think it hard enough, I'll think it into existence. Kind of that idea of, yes, yes, I'm, I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm dead. And if I just kind of repeat it enough in my mind, I'll eventually believe it. That's not what Paul's saying here. He's saying, reckon yourselves to be in dead to sin because, I'm adding this, you are dead to sin. So believe it as it is the truth. And believe also this, that you are alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then on that premise, he then tells us in verse 12, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. The idea continues there of sin no longer having dominion, but uh, not using our bodies for instruments of righteousness, but for instruments of righteousness to God. And that is the similar calling, as we turn back to Colossians 3, 9, and 10, that Paul is giving to the Colossian believers, encouraging them, exhorting them, commanding them to not practice sin, to not use their body as instruments of unrighteousness because the two, these two reasons. One, they have put off the old man, and two, the second reason, they have put on the new man. Verse 10, in, back in Colossians chapter 3, tells us that this new man is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Every believer is on a path of sanctification, hopefully a continual and gradual climb, though experiencing perhaps valleys at times. But we as believers in having put on the new man are being sanctified and we are being transformed into the image of who? Christ. That is a work that God is doing in us and we are to be participating in that effort. Putting to death the things in us that are not of God, but are of the flesh. Now, there's also kind of a corporate idea here to this new man that is being renewed, and that is reflected in verse 11. This new man, this new relationship, does not have the kind of distinctions that are of human origin. In this new relationship in which all believers are brought into, Paul tells us there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. As believers, in order to maintain that unity, um, we are not to be making distinctions as our identity is not in our ethnicity, our nationality, our, our um, family background, our heritage, 
our wealth, our, our social status, whatever it may be, the things that are dividing our nation now even, that is not our identity. If our identity is in anything other than Christ, then we have the wrong focus. Our identity must be in Christ as believers. When we fellowship together, we fellow in mutual fellowship because of not simply because we perhaps live close to the church in the vicinity of Ann Arbor. That is not what brings us together and creates some kind of camaraderie. No, our identity is in the fact that we are in this relationship with Christ. We are in, we have put on, and we are in this new man, in this new relationship with Christ. And that should be our identity, because it is. And we are all on the same path. We are all walking in newness of life, seeking to be transformed into the image of the one who created us. As we close this evening, I encourage you to to be encouraged that when we are fighting sin in our lives, that uh, we do not have to just muster up strength upon our own, in our own efforts. It's not as if we're reckoning it to be true by just thinking about it hard enough to make it some kind of existent truth. It is true that we have died to sin. We have died to the old man. The old man has been put away with his evil deeds, and we have put on Christ. We are now in Christ, and by that, we are able to to conquer the sin that uh, we deal with, knowing that one day uh, we will be resurrected as he is and no longer, uh, no longer fighting and uh, seeking to put to death the sin that is in us because we will be sinless. What a day that will be. But until then, we continue to fight the good fight. Let us pray as we close this evening. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time that we've had together. We thank you that you have given us our word. You've revealed it here to us. There is no other authority that we go to. There is no other book that contains truth. Your word is truth. Lord, uh, by which we live by and by which we submit ourselves to on a daily basis. Lord, help us as we struggle with sin. Lord, it is easy to know that it's true, that we have put off the old man and put on the new. That is something that has happened to us. Oh, Lord, but we know it is much harder when we're in the trenches and when we're tempted to remember that and to seek your help, your grace and mercy to overcome that sin in our lives. Help us, Lord, to heed the instruction of Paul to put off these things, to put them to death, crucify them, Lord, so there's no return to them, knowing that it will glorify you. And that in the end, it will be a blessing uh, to us in this life and in the next. We ask for your help. In your name we pray. Pray that, Lord, you would bless these ones as they go their way this evening. 
you would keep them safe, and uh, Lord, that you would give them opportunities to share Christ with others as they go about their days. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen. Amen.